planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. Here we are, uh, heading into the end of week 11. Time flies and and Los cries, I guess. I think that's the, the theme of this week's fantasy uh, season, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not a great week for you? Well, I'm down 30 in both of them right now, but I've got Mahomes and, and, and Mahomes' kicker. Uh, Butica, but butt kicker, butt kicker, in one of them, and then I've got a conglomeration of Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and Damian Williams, who I thought was going to have a heftier portion of the workload, but Lashawn McCoy has already been on the field, and Williams was already called for holding, so I'm pretty worried. Well, could be worse. I have uh, Tyree Kill going in a league, and he seemed to just limp off with it looks like a hamstring strain, something like that. Yeah, but he's got enough speed that he can run with one hamstring like a like a four two forty. I wish, I wish, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been another straight week of a lot of disappointing performances. And while we were prepping for this show, uh, when I was doing the notes, uh, there, there's a lot of bad matchups again this week. Could be another straight week of pretty low scoring. Yep, uh, could could be a that that's that's why you got to keep your eye on the waiver wire sometimes. When it gets to this point of the season, hopefully you've locked up enough wins, but working those uh, working those matchups to the best of your ability is really really key. Yeah, and uh, well, that's why uh, that's why Los cries, right? That's right. Well, you know who wasn't crying this week is Captain Kirk Cousins. Do you know why? Uh, no. Please tell. Because he wins. Wait, our... wait, wait a second. Was it because he found a heater brazer? Well, that's partially it, but he also wins the prestigious Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And this Very week, nice. Congratulations. Indeed. And this week, uh, the Broncos went into Minneapolis and punched the Vikings in the mouth right out of the gate. Poor showing by the Vikings' defense, and a muffed punt quickly turned into a 20-point lead by Denver. And the Vikings' offense struggled to get anything going against a staunch Broncos' defense. But the second half yielded different results, as Kirk Cousins came out swinging. He threw a touchdown each to his two main tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, and another to Stefan Diggs, claiming the Vikings' first lead of the day with just over six minutes left in the game. Minnesota's defense did the rest, bending but not breaking, although Brandon Allen and the Broncos drove down the field all the way to the Minnesota four-yard line. The Vikings held strong and thwarted three attempts at the end zone with under 10 seconds left. Get your close shave like Captain Kirk Cousins with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. You like that? I do like that. There are a few things I like better than solid days from uh, from my boy Kirk Cousins, that's for sure. Yeah, and just to think, uh, after the bye week, he could get Adam Thielen back. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Uh, make even closer shapes for him.
Oh, was I supposed to talk? Uh, yeah, this is your podcast. Oh, man. all right. Well, I just figured you are that... you are the man with the plan, the master disaster. You know the the tower of power over here. I just figured that you would lead us right into the uh, the Thursday night matchup, but I guess you were crying too much over Damian Williams. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm I'm more so watching Austin Eckler not uh, not put up the points that I need him to. All right, let's take it. Oh, here we go. Here's a carry. I'm not gonna do this all game. Don't worry. One yard. Yes. Okay, Thursday night football, Indianapolis at Houston. Indy took care of business versus the Jaguars in uh, Brissett's return here. 148 yards passing, only one touchdown, one interception, but tacked on a nice rushing touchdown uh, on the right side. He has definite streaming upside here versus Houston. Marlon Mack left the game with a hand injury and had uh, had surgery today on a broken hand. Not really much more information out yet. Um, I don't expect him back by Thursday, but... Uh, we're going to see. He had a really nice day heading into that. 14 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Jonathan Williams filled in very well. Uh, if I recall correctly, this was the very talented running back that was on Buffalo who was mysteriously cut and had something similar happen with him on New Orleans the season after. If Max out, he has the talent to fill in at your flex this week and maybe more, although... <clears throat> Jordan Wilkins uh, had some sort of mysterious absence from uh, much of that game this week as well. I think if Jordan Wilkins is back this Thursday, that would cut significantly into uh, into Jonathan Williams' workload. So maybe not uh, burning all the fab Brian Hill style for him. Uh, there was very little notable pass production in the air in uh, Brissett's return. I think Eric Ebron has tight end one upside in Houston. Maybe Hilton can get healthy soon, but I don't expect him here on the short week. Right. Uh, it's possible that Hilton will be back, but really we need to see a couple practices from him. And just with the Thursday night game, it seems unlikely. Um, but even without Hilton in this matchup, I like Brissett as a QB2 streamer. I, I think he would have QB1 upside if Hilton were to return. Uh, but again, probably unlikely. As you said, Mac was having a great day against Jacksonville. And Jonathan Williams is definitely the guy who got waived uh, without much explanation from Buffalo. Uh, at first, I actually yep. mixed him up with Carlos Williams, but that was the guy who got too heavy after he started eating whenever his pregnant wife was eating. Um, yeah, he was even better in Buffalo, though, right? He was, but then uh, he just, yeah. That, I mean, they, they call it the not-for-long league for a reason, I guess. But um, For sure, you can't get that sympathy, sympathy diet in. Right, and, and as you said, though, uh, Jordan Wilkins is expected to play on Thursday night. Um, and that really complicates the situation because my guess is that while Williams is probably going to be the main first and second down guy, maybe get some goal line looks as well, it's still going to be a committee. Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines are both going to be involved, and Hines is going to vulture some of that PPR value as the preferred receiving option in that backfield. Uh, as for the receivers, um, Marcus Johnson, uh, I've liked him as a deep dynasty stash. I've liked him forever since Seattle traded for him from Philadelphia. I thought maybe he would do something with Russell Wilson, but he really failed to make an impact. Uh, and then he got hurt last year on the Colts after filling a little bit, filling in a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the Colts wide receivers is probably going to score against Houston, maybe two, but good luck guessing who. I would avoid them all. Really, for me, it's, you know, Williams, Wilkins, and Hines, I would rank them in that order for the running backs. Uh, would you agree with that? I think I would, just because I, I don't really know what Wilkins' status is going to be. To be honest, I was, I was a little surprised to see how much work they gave Jonathan Williams, but they showed they did it last week. Why wouldn't they here? 
Right, and ironically enough, Wilkins is probably the best all-around back. He can be a runner sure. and a receiver, but uh, again, I think he's really just going to fill in on some series here and there. It's going to be hard to project this backfield. Uh, I'd probably avoid it unless you're really desperate at the running back situation. Um, and then of the tight ends, I, I still prefer Ebron over Doyle. He's getting more targets, more looks, especially with Doyle um, limited with a shoulder injury. He played through it uh, against the Jaguars, but uh, Houston is tough on tight ends, even if Doyle suits up this week. Houston was just shellacked by the Ravens. They did not get much going at all, just seven points. Uh, we could certainly see a return to offensive dominance here this week for Houston with Watson, a quarterback one ch- shot here, a uh, team that's known to bounce back and plenty of playmakers around the field. Carlos Hyde remains an upside running back three who broke free for a 40-yard touchdown this week, but otherwise would have had a combined meager 20 yards without that one play. Uh, Hopkins was fine and remains a must-start. Stills is an upside flex option as long as Will Fuller remains out, but if Fuller plays, I'd avoid Stills here. Uh, He has not blown up in any week thus far. He just missed a nice deep touchdown this week, but you know, you got to connect on him sometimes to be worth a play, and he's just missed enough times for him to just miss my lineup. Uh, Darren Fells gave us his weekly one catch, but this week there was not a touchdown connected to it. Well, strangely enough, Stills' last big game was against the Colts, and that was the game that Will Fuller exited. Um, oh, so he has some upside here, uh, but certainly if Fuller is back, I would downgrade Stills. Um, clearly, Baltimore is the better team on Sunday against. Uh, well, I blanked for a second against the Texans, <laughs> but yep. um, it's worth noting that Deshaun Watson suffered an ankle injury in the first half of that game. Uh, some sources out there are reporting that it could be a low-grade high ankle sprain. And while he was able to finish the game, uh, and it's considered minor, the fact that this game is just four days uh, since then, uh, you know, Watson has already struggled with taking sacks, even with his mobility. So anything that would hinder that is not great for his outlook. I still have him as a mid-range QB1 this week, given all the buys and poor matchups for quarterbacks. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I don't think his upside is quite as high as no, as for other weeks. Um, Hopkins are starting, but again, just not expecting a ton of out- offensive output here. And as we talked about before, Stills I've got as a wide receiver four, uh, even if Fuller's out. And if Fuller plays, I would definitely bench Stills, but I would consider Fuller a, a boomer bust flex option. And then in the unlikely event that Deshaun Watson is out this week, I'd probably bench everybody except Hopkins with A.J. McCarron under center, maybe Darren Fells if you're desperate as a checkdown option. And then this is uh, an interesting divisional matchup, a a good rivalry, but I am concerned about Houston's defense and a little bit about Watson's ankles, so I will lean Indianapolis here even on the road. I think Indy's O-line dominates here for the win uh, on the road as well. Yep. Uh, Sunday noon. Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Jameis Winston was just brutal for four interceptions, 300 yards, of course, with the uh, deficits to make that up. But still only totaled about 14 points in most uh, most scoring formats. Scotty Miller led wide receivers, four catches, six targets, 71 yards. Who who is that? You ask? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, Mike Evans was just four of eight for 69 yards with Godwin saving his own day with a 30 yard touchdown. Both should be OK here. On paper, although Atlanta has been playing really, really well, like the number one defense almost these past two weeks combined against their divisional rivals. 
Um, regardless, both should have wide receiver two type numbers apiece. Certainly not uh, going out of my way to throw them on the bench. Uh, the game was actually led by Cameron Brait, of course, with 10 catches, 14 targets, 73 yards, which are highs of targets and catches for him. Uh, to O.J. Howard's zero catch, one target, uh, and, and getting thrown down on the bench after some sort of weird dipsy doodle catch behind the back NBA street jam that ended up in an interception. Uh, there were six combined running back rushes this game, so the running backs were were pretty useless. Uh, just 35 yards combined, uh, rushing and receiving for Jones, Barberts, and uh, Agunbawale. Pretty darn ugly there. Yeah, just a quick game update here. Uh, Tyreek Hill has headed to the locker room with the trainers. Uh, it's a reported hamstring injury, as we speculated. And uh, also, one of the Chiefs linemen is down, uh, the offensive lineman, so... Hopefully they can uh, get out of this Monday night game without too many injuries here. Um, back to Tampa Bay, though. Uh, apparently, Jameis Winston hurt a ligament in his ankle during the game against oh. the Saints. Uh, it's not an ankle sprain. It's a ligament sprain on his ankle. I, I, I don't know exactly what the difference is, but he is expected to play this week. That said, I would avoid Winston. Uh, this is a Falcons defense that's gotten very hot since their bye, especially if Winston isn't 100% healthy. Uh, it's tough to bench either Evans or Godwin, but I would definitely downgrade both of them given both the uncertainty around the QB situation as well as the poor matchup. I've got Evans as a low-end wide receiver one and Godwin a low-end wide receiver two. Just don't see a huge ceiling with either of them. And as you said, uh, the running backs here, just not a whole lot to go around. Barber had two targets and zero carries, but got lucky enough to convert one of those targets to a touchdown. Uh, you're not relying on him, and if you're desperate, I, I guess Ronald Jones is still the best option here. Uh, I've got him as a low-end RB3 in PPR. And uh, as you said, the weird Howard uh, drop or bobble that led to an interception, um, I mean, he got benched after that, but it doesn't mean that Cameron Brait's trustworthy either this week. It's really just Evans and Godwin, and even then, uh, those two are probably risk-reward prospects this week. Atlanta is playing just great on defense after uh, against divisional opponents all of a sudden. I, I think Tampa Bay can get some points going regardless, which should keep the Atlanta offense rolling. Julio's a one. Matt Ryan's a one. Uh, Ridley's an upside two. Been playing very well since the uh, since the move of Mosinu. Brian Hill led the team in carries with 15 carries, just 30 yards in one catch with Kenyon Barner and Quadri Allison coming in in, in high-leverage situations. Allison getting the early goal line touchdown. Uh, Hill did have a late goal line touchdown called back by an offensive penalty. Hill's the top play at running back, but Tampa's very tough against running backs, and he's going to split the work with the three running backs there. He's just a running back three for me. Probably try to avoid um, that entire backfield. Right, and plus it's worth noting that Devontae Freeman could be back this week. So just in general, sure. I would probably avoid all of them. <laughs> just going to be another committee backfield as a lot of offenses have gone to. Um, and Plus it's way better to pass versus Tampa Bay anyway, uh, given the secondary issues that they've been having. So I have Matt Ryan as a top three quarterback play here, uh, especially given all the mat bad matchups that we'll talk about for quarterbacks this week. Um, I would fire up Russell Gage again as a... Wide receiver fourth upside. He nearly had a touchdown had it not been called incomplete with the ball moving a little bit as he went to the ground in the end zone. Um, really, uh, you know, I'll agree with the rest that you said. Tampa Bay is just a great matchup all around for all the pass catchers. 
not a whole lot to, not a whole lot else to add here. Um, I'm going to go with Atlanta continuing their hot streak. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Atlanta as well. Russell Gage did have the touchdown called on the field that was uh, reversed by the uh, by the booth review. Oh well, Denver at Buffalo. Denver was great in the first three quarters and fell apart versus the Vikings. Tough matchup here, especially in the secondary. Philip Lindsay's a back end running back two against Buffalo's defense, and Freeman's an upside upside three. This run defense is where they struggle. Cortland Sutton has a tough pull here, but but this guy is just doing everything. Five catches on nine targets, 113 receptions, two rushes for 10 yards, picking up a very tough first down on short yardage, and uh, throwing on an end around, one pass for 38 yards. He's a wide receiver three with volume upside here, and this kid is showing his athleticism every week. If it wasn't for the tough Buffalo secondary matchup, um, he's he's a he's a mid-range wide receiver two or better rest of the season. Noah Fant is starting to have one of those tight end six to eight point floors and should repeat that here. You know what? I'm not worried about Buffalo. Um, I mean, if Devontae Parker can do okay, I, I'm not too worried about Cortland Sutton, who I think is a better talent here. Uh, I still have him, even with Tredavious White there, uh, as a mid-range wide receiver too this week and going forward. Uh, just given that target volume, I, I think he's more or less matchup proof. And then with Buffalo's run defense struggling the last few weeks, I would expect a heavy rushing attack from the Broncos here. I like Lindsey as well as a low in RB2 with upside and Freeman as an ups- upside RB3. Um, and then really, Buffalo's a tough matchup for tight ends, but I'm not sure it's going to matter. Uh, the Broncos have been feeding Noah Fant the ball. He had 11 targets against the Vikings, and he's getting involved on those end-around type plays. Just uh, he's the secondary pass catcher option behind Sutton, and I think he's a tight end too with upside despite the matchup here. I think those end-around plays are trouble for Noah Fant. He's not nearly fast enough for it. This isn't college anymore. The kid's going to shorten his career pretty quickly if if they keep doing stupid stuff like that with him. Right, but I'm saying for fantasy purposes, you know, he's getting very involved. So as long as the the volume of touches is there, he's going to be a pretty decent start. Sure thing. Buffalo got the win versus Miami, uh, but Denver has been playing tough here. Chris Harris Jr. is probably going to cover John Brown, who had a huge nine-catch, 137-yard, two-touchdown day. He remains a wide receiver, two for me here, despite the tough matchup. Allen's likely going to have another 20-plus point day between his rushing and his passing. I'm not going to sit him here. Uh, He had a 33-point day in most formats against Miami. Singletary's a running back, two here, 15 carries, 75 yards, but just one target and catch which I think is going to be the rarity here. Those numbers should definitely go up. And Gore's getting edged out to a low flex consideration between Singletary's usage and Allen's rushing ability, especially near the goal line. Yeah, I don't love Allen here. Uh, Buffalo's been beating up on bad teams, but they have struggled against better teams. I wouldn't necessarily bench him or Brown, but I do have Allen downgraded here to a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 against the Broncos, and then I have Brown down to a high-end wide receiver three against Chris Harris Jr. Um, He's got a fairly safe floor in PPR. He's going to get peppered with targets. I just don't know how many times they're going to be able to connect here. Uh, I have got Singletary lower than you, too, uh, as well. Uh, I've got him as a mid-range RB3 or flex against the Broncos. Uh, And then Dawson Knox, a low-end tight end, two with some touchdown upside. Knox has the big playmaking ability, but just isn't getting enough snaps or targets yet to be reliable start in fantasy. Um, really, from you know our differing opinions on the fantasy, I think we're going to be on opposite sides of the pick here because Denver played well against Minnesota, and I'm just not sure that 
Allen's going to be able to, you know, throw as well if they need to come back like Cousins did. And on the other side here, uh, Brandon Allen hasn't been great, but he has limited the turnovers for the most part. So I'm going to go with the Broncos here, even though, even though it's a close matchup. I'm going to take Buffalo here. I, I know Miami put up some some yardage and points. Brandon Allen is not Ryan Fitzpatrick. This guy does have a possible future in the league. He's not going to be as willing to take those shots into coverage as a uh, workout for Ryan Fitzpatrick about 60, 66% of the time. So I think Buffalo gets to the young, to the young buck pretty, See, pretty early and often. I actually think Brandon Allen's unwillingness to, you know, th- take those chances against Buffalo is why they could pull this out because I think Josh Allen is all too willing to take some of those chances and it might burn him against the Broncos secondary. Fair enough. All right. The New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. The Giants have an extra week to prep for the Bears. Hopefully Saquon's healthy here. Uh, Sterling Shepard should be back by now, I think, muddying the receiving waters. Saquon's a back-end one with volume if healthy, and Gallman is running back three with volume upside if Barkley is out. Golden Tate's a decent flex play here, and honestly, I think Slayton and Shepard just cut into each other's value here if they are both active and healthy in a uh, not, not great matchup against the secondary. I'd avoid both of them here. Well, we'll see about Sterling Shepard. He's missed five games now after the two concussions earlier in the year. Uh, He did start practicing last week, and he practiced again today, but the Giants have made it clear at the same time that he is still in the concussion protocol. Um, If Shepard is active, then certainly, uh, you know, I agree that they would kind of vulture each other's value. But if Shepard is out again, I don't hate Darius Slayton as an upside wide receiver for. Uh, he's clearly built that chemistry with Jones, especially on those 50-50 jump balls in the end zone. And we have seen the Bears defense get a little lax at times. Uh, you know, Josh Reynolds had a long touchdown that got called back by an, an illegal shift penalty. Um, so certainly they aren't, uh, you know, they aren't invulnerable to those big plays. And as for Evan Ingram, we'll see if he can return from that foot sprain. Uh, he was not practicing earlier today, but he said that there is a chance he could return this week. So we're going to need to see at least a couple of practices from Ingram later in the week to believe him. The Bears had another tough outing. Uh, the Giants defense is pretty bad, though. David Montgomery has running back two upside if used properly. Uh, Cohen has PPR upside as a flex play. Allen Robinson should be a wide receiver, too, again, after a tough day against Jalen Ramsey, just four, six, 15 yards, um, as Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel had most of the production with uh, with Robinson pretty well covered. But we know uh, that any of this is inconsistent at best. It's really not a great day, week, month, or year to be a Bears fan right now. Well, we'll see how Trubisky's quote-unquote hip injury uh, progresses this week. Uh, supposedly he tweaked it in the second quarter, but then they didn't bench him till the fourth quarter, so that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, regardless, though, whether it's Trubisky or Chase Daniel under center, I don't think that's going to affect the pass catchers too much. Uh, Daniel has proven to be an adequate backup and should be all right supporting Robinson and the other fantasy players if he starts Uh, But assuming Trubisky does play, I have him as a boomer bust QB2. David Montgomery should find a little bit more success running against the Giants. I've got him as a mid-range RB2. And Allen Robinson, I loved this week as a high-end wide receiver too. He's going to be fed targets from either Trubisky or Daniel regardless versus a bad Giants secondary. Don't have a ton of faith in the Bears at this point, but I'm still going to take him at home. 
Yeah, the, the defense has to try and maintain some respect for themselves and uh, take out Daniel Jones, who loves turning the ball over. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh had just about every relevant player injured, so not a ton to make of this loss to uh, Cleveland. It's a nice defensive matchup for whoever's healthy other than Mason Rudolph. Uh, Connor likely out with his shoulder injury. Samuel's an upside running back, too, with Trey Edmonds behind him in play as well. Uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson both got both were concussed, I think. Uh, if Juju's ready and back, he should be a wide receiver two slash three against Cincinnati. Um, if not, if he's not ready, James Washington has to have some volume upside as a flex. I, I don't love Vance McDonald, but if Connor, Samuel, Juju, Johnson, everybody's out, I guess that just leaves the tight end, Washington and Trey Edmonds. We're, we're going to see who's healthy. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the most likely to suit up this week uh, are going to be James Washington and Jalen Samuels. Those are the guys that I would want to play. As you said, the volume of touches has to go somewhere. Um, just to add on uh, with Juju, he did get a concussion along with Deontay Johnson, but it was reported today by Schefter that uh, Juju also suffered a knee injury on that same play. Uh, so I think he's mm. a little bit more questionable than Johnson at this point. Um, as you said, I don't love Vance McDonald, uh, just a desperation tight end too. He's had a lot of issues with drops and he just hasn't gotten that many targets. So really Jalen Samuels is an RB two I have here and maybe James Washington, a wide receiver three or flex given that target volume, but that's, that's really it here. Cincinnati has not looked great and Pittsburgh defense, Pittsburgh's defense, uh, is very tough. I'd veer away from Boyd and Eifert here. Mixon's a running back, too, with a, a touchdown and a 19-carry, one-target day this past week. He's getting a, he's getting the vast majority of the carries and, and a decent portion of passing work, despite just one target this week. Uh, Boyd was fifth on the team in targets with the new quarterback. I'm doubting any wide receiver as a touchdown versus Pittsburgh's secondary. Uh, not, not a great day here for, uh, for the AFC North. No, much like the other side here, uh, you're focusing on two players, uh, Mixon and Boyd for me. Maybe Eifert's worth a look. Uh, and really, it's a disappointing day for Tyler, or excuse me, Tyler Boyd. Uh, too many Tylers on this team. I really, yeah. I really expected a pretty big day for Boyd against Oakland, but just three targets, one catch for no yards. I mean, ugh, yuck. I mean, Maybe he gets a few more targets with Auden Tate out after that scary-looking neck injury. Uh, A.J. Green's still doubtful. Uh, John Ross probably plays a bigger role here as well, but he's just a desperation wide receiver five. Just really not much fantasy upside here at all with Ryan Finley at the helm. Uh, uh, really, it's Mixon given, excuse me, Mixon given his volume of touches. Um, if you need a tight end streamer, Eifert's worth a look given that the Steelers have struggled against defending the tight end a little bit. Uh, perhaps a few more targets Eifert's way with Green and now Tate out as well. It's uh, a little bit sad <laughs> for Cincinnati fans that even with, you know, Marquise Pouncey suspended, Juju and Deontay possibly both out, Connor likely out, uh, I'm still going to go with Pittsburgh here. Yeah, absolutely. Tank for, uh, well, I guess it's I guess it's not Tua anymore, huh? No. Well, it could still be. He had, Supposedly, he had surgery this morning, and they were very optimistic about the prognosis. So hopefully, uh, you know, hoping for the best there. All right. Miami, oh, I'll pick 
pick Pittsburgh as well, obviously. Uh, Miami at Cleveland. Miami kept it sort of close versus Buffalo. They're going to hang a bit here as well versus Cleveland. Uh, Kalen Balazs rushed nine times for nine yards and one touchdown, saving his day, so to speak. He's a running back three, very risky play here. Uh, Parker's a wide receiver three with some upside. Gasicki has some stream potential here this week. Cleveland's not typically great against uh, the tight end. Just four catches, 18 yards in Buffalo, but Cleveland has a few more holes in their uh, in their game than Buffalo's defense. I, I gotta say, uh, sorry to go back to this game real quick, but Mahomes is such a smart quarterback, given that it's only his third year in the league. Um, he just he just threw uh, quote unquote targeted his tight end, uh, even though he threw it into the dirt because his tight end was getting hit. Uh, trying to draw that pass interference penalty. So um, definitely just, you know, in addition to his arm talent, just one of the smartest guys out there. He sees the game very quickly. Or, uh, well, slowly, I guess. Like, it, I, well, I know what I'm trying to say, but I ain't saying it. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Everything's in slow motion. He just processes it so yeah. quickly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Yes, I'll, you got I'll, I'll elaborate for you there. Um, Thank you. But yeah, I mean, some of the stuff he does mentally just reminds me of Aaron Rodgers in his prime, you know, calling out the the pass interference, looking for those flags and making sure, you know, he's not, you know, missing anything really. But um, well, hopefully he doesn't turn into Aaron Rodgers with, you know, <laughs> pouts on his face every every second play. No, I wouldn't worry about that. But enough of the yeah. Mahomes love fest. Uh, unfortunately, let's get back to talking about Miami here. Um, All right. Not much to say. Uh, Balaj is an RB3, given the volume of touches, and Parker is a wide receiver three with upside. That's really about it here. Um, both Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant have some speed to break a long one for a touchdown, but you'd have to be pretty desperate to start either of those, either of those guys. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> Helen Hearns got extended, I guess. Good, good for Miami, but uh, I don't really care for fantasy purposes. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to the Cleveland side here. I'm not going to address the end of the Cleveland game here. Uh, the Browns have a number of easy matchups ahead. Baker has quarterback one upside and is a good streamer here versus Miami. Chubb's a running back one for me here. And Hunt is probably a running back two that you can very easily slot into your flex and expect some big-time upside. Landry and OBJ are both wide receiver twos as well. Uh, now, Chubb has lost most of his passing game work with Hunt back, but he's such a good running back. I expect two or three 20-plus yard runs here. Yeah, and, you know, we won't talk about too much about the Garrett incident. Uh, you know, I think that's been exhausted over the last three or four days. But uh, the one thing mm -hmm. I will say is that it was updated by Ian Rappaport today that technically, uh, you know, a player cannot get suspended indefinitely for an on-field incident. Um, so they'll change that and give him a finite number of games. But suffice it to say that Garrett will not be playing again this season. Um, really, I like everybody on the Browns against Miami. Uh, as you said, uh, you know, I like everybody. Mayfield, mid-range QB1, Chubb, running back one, Hunt, low-end RB2, Beckham, low-end wide receiver one, and Landry, uh, low-end wide receiver two. Just uh, not a whole lot of resistance from the Dolphins with uh, Xavier uh, Xavier Howard out uh and then there's a chance that david njoku could return this week but he's off the fantasy radar for now until we see him incorporated into the offense a little bit more i'm gonna take the browns at home 
I will pick the Browns as well. Carolina at New Orleans. Kyle Allen got figured out by Atlanta, and New Orleans' defense is definitely better than Atlanta, despite what we've seen. A four-interception day will tank the team. Uh, DJ Moore had chances in the end zone to make good on my wide receiver one call, but two of those went for interceptions. He remains a solid enough wide receiver, two against the New Orleans secondary after an 8-for-15 target, 95-yard day compared to Curtis Samuels, just 4 of 7, 25 yards. Olsen's a low-end option at tight end. Christian McCaffrey was held without a touchdown in this game, the poor guy. Just 190 yards on 25 touches, including 11 catches. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, talking about Kyle Allen here real quick, uh, raise your hands if you started Kyle Allen over Kyler Murray this week. Oof. No, just me. All not. right, uh, just a terrible just call. Um, I, I've, I've been so high on Kyler Murray uh, since the preseason. I, I've loved him all year, but for some reason, I make these boneheaded decisions at around eleven thirty usually on Sunday mornings. Um, <laughs> I, I think I need to eat a, a heartier breakfast to uh, kind of you know stop these brain lapses because. I thought that Kyle Allen could bounce back here, but that certainly didn't happen. Um, actually, real quick, Los, if you had to guess uh, on the season, um, where is Kyler Murray in terms of the quarterbacks? Point score. My guess? Yeah. My guess is that he's right around 14, 13? He's quarterback four. Wow. Um, See, there you go. So I'm going to uh, stop benching him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's got some tough matchups coming up after their bye with the Rams and the Steelers, but they've just been so good. It, it's tough to bench him. I think he's going to be a QB one every single week for me in my rankings until he really has a game where he implodes because that hasn't happened in quite some time. Just um, don't forget. He's got that solid floor. He only, he only really bottomed out that one week. And I think that one week really stuck with you. Yeah, it was that Giants game with the weird weather yep. where uh, you know Chase Edmonds had three rushing touchdowns and Murray did nothing. Yep. But outside of that, he's yep. been very consistent. So, um, just FYI, if anyone else needed that uh, needed that clarification, like I do. Um, but back to Kyle Allen here. Really, the Falcons' renewed pass rush and defense seems for real. Uh, I don't know that he's going to do a whole lot better against the Saints. I've got DJ Moore as a wide receiver too. Samuel Flex. Um, of course, McCaffrey is the gold standard right now for running back. You could even say platinum standard, just 30 PPR Ooh. points in a game where Carolina scored three. Come on. I, I mean, I thought about selling McCaffrey in our dynasty league in the preseason, and I'm uh, I'm sure glad I never went through with that. Maybe in the postseason. Look at Todd Gurley, man. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, buy low, sell high, but I, I think the the – most difficult thing to do is to sell high because you want to ride that out. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I probably should have, could have gotten a pretty penny for Mahomes this season. Oh, I mean, I think you still could. You're, you're, you're probably right. And I will never sell him, but that's okay. <laughs> I know <laughs> I've, I've tried many times. <laughs> As for the Saints, uh, they they handled the Buccaneers, hanging 34 points up. They should fare similarly versus the Panthers. Breeze threw for 230 yards, three touchdowns, and remains a quarterback one behind 8 of 11, 114 yards, and a touchdown for Michael Thomas. Just two catches, but a touchdown apiece for Jared Cook and Ted Ginn. Cook's a solid tight end play here. Thomas is a clear wide receiver one. And Ginn has that flex risk reward after his uh, touchdown versus Carolina. Alvin Kamara gave you what you asked for, 13 rushes, 35, uh, 75 yards 
on the ground and 10 catches, 10 targets, 47 yards receiving. With Tampa Bay, a tough matchup for running backs, but uh, Camp Kamara is going to be fine here versus Carolina. It gets plenty of passing work, and it's a very dynamic running back. Yep, the Saints got uh, everything sorted out after that horrendous loss to the Falcons. And now, uh, you know, it's basically you're starting all these guys, but uh, the only one I, I might be not as high uh, as you are on is Cook. Um, he had the touchdown against Tampa Bay, but just two targets. I'm not sure how involved he's going to be. Uh, the Saints have gone to him, or I should say Breeze has gone to him a decent amount uh, when they're struggling on offense. But when things are clicking, you know, it's, it's going to Thomas, it's going to Kamara. They're getting big chunk plays. So Cook seems to get more involved if they're trailing like they were against the Falcons two weeks ago. Um, when they when they're handling business as usual, like I expect them to against Carolina this week, uh, I've got Cook as just a high end tight end too with some touchdown upside. But I could see him not getting a ton of targets again. In general, though, uh, New Orleans is back on track. Uh, I'm going to take them at home. I will pick the Saints too. Oakland at the New York Jets. The Raiders put together a solid game, near 300 yards and a touchdown for Derek Carr, as well as a touchdown rushing. 23 carries, 112 yards, and three catches, plus a lost fumble, of course, for Josh Jacobs. Um, and everything was pretty status quo otherwise. Waller went 5 of 7, 78 yards. Tyrell Williams, 4 of 4 for 82. Low target, high reward, uh, high, uh, high per yard, high yardage per catch. Touchdown dependent, didn't get one of those here. Jacobs and Waller are ones in their position. Carr is a streaming option again, and and Williams is a uh, is a flex play. Yeah, Josh Jacobs really. Ooh, what a what a pick by Tyron Matthew here, Honey Badger. All right, things are getting back on track for the Chiefs. I feel like this game should be like thirteen to nothing, but it's three to nothing. It's this is not what I was looking for. No, well, you you got a you got a red zone opportunity right here. But it's LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, well, maybe he'll throw it to LaShawn McCoy. That would make me happy. Mm, nope, that's a shady touchdown on the ground. Sorry. Oh, I'm a little bit behind. Oh, Uh-oh. sorry. Well, spoiler alert. I'm usually ahead. I don't understand what's going on tonight. Uh, ESPN doesn't like you. The Chiefs hate you. Mahomes hates you as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. Join the list, right? Uh, but Get luckily, uh, Josh Jacobs likes you a lot. Um, he's doing well for you. He should have and could have had a better day against the Bengals. The Jets are a little bit better than the Bengals on defense, but not much. Uh, as you said, Jacobs remains a mid-range RB1 here, Waller a mid-range tight end one. And Carr's a pretty decent streaming option, uh, though he just missed out on our top waiver wire QBs. Uh, and actually, one of the quarterbacks I like over Carr this week is Sam Darnold on the other side of this matchup. So let's uh, move on to the Jets. The Jets crushed the Redskins 34-17 to behind 290 yards, four touchdowns for Sam Darnold. He has some very big streaming upside here against that Oakland secondary. And Lev Bell remains a volume play running back one, even though Bilal Powell saw some garbage time carries versus Washington. Made the splits look closer than they really are. Uh, Bell is still the workhorse back for the Jets. Jameson Crowder went 5 of 8, 76 yards in the touchdown, remaining a solid enough wide receiver too, especially this week. Ryan Griffin went 5 of 5, 109 yards and a touchdown, leading the team. And it looks like with Herndon done for the year, Griffin is a touchdown machine with Sam Darnold. Um, Probably a guy that's definitely worth an own. Robbie Anderson had a touchdown, but just one catch. Sell him if you can. Though there is some upside here against the Oakland secondary. Of course, uh, of course, the week before, uh, when I say that I'm finally done with Robbie Anderson, he catches a touchdown. 
<laughs> that's uh that's just how fantasy football works my friends uh you know <laughs> i don't even know what to say to that uh, I, I guess pick him up we'll talk we'll talk about him in our waiver wire section but i really don't want to um darnold uh, as i prefaced is going to be a great streaming option here at home against the raiders uh the team is playing well that is oakland um but their defense is still very shoddy and as a result i like darnold here and i like jameson crowder as a wide receiver three uh, Demarius Thomas and Robbie Anderson are both desperation wide receiver fours, but with some upside here. And it's time to talk about Ryan Griffin. Uh, Darnold clearly trusts him. This is why we were so high on Chris Herndon coming back, because we saw that trust with Herndon last year. But I think Sam Darnold has moved on here. Um, 16 catches, three touchdowns over the last four weeks. Griffin is definitely in play as a tight end streamer. So watch him do nothing this week and Robbie Anderson get like five touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think uh, Mr. John Gruden, who is a Coach of the Year candidate, is going to lead Oakland to another win, this time on the road. I will take the uh, the Raiders as well. John Gruden got a, a great chance watching so many games on uh, television. Maybe the other coaches just aren't watching as much game film as he had to the past few years. Maybe. Uh, maybe Tony Romo will come back and coach. Oh, wow. That would be fun. All right. Seattle at Philadelphia. I picked the Raiders. I forgot if I said it, though. Um, Seattle at Philadelphia. The Seahawks get the week uh, week off to prepare for the Eagles. Russell Wilson's a must-start quarterback in this matchup, of course, as well as his wide receiver options. Lockett's a two with upside if ready to go. Uh, Josh Gordon and DK Metcalf are strong, strong flex plays pending everyone's health here. I'd be comfortable with all of them here. Uh, Lockett actually is the toughest matchup against the slot corner for Philadelphia, but I'm not too worried for him. He definitely outclasses the opposition in talent. Uh, Chris Carson's a back-end running back one against a tough run defense that should still have a few receptions to supplant his value. And the tight end, Jacob Hollister, is a solid tight end stream. Indeed he is, but uh, more importantly, did you see that Mexico sells instant ramen at their games? <laughs> wow, I did not see that. Is that the one in the styrofoam cup, or do they just give you the package and you and they expect you to bring your own pot? <laughs> that would be interesting, but they did uh, they did sell in the styrofoam containers that 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 one shot just now from the commercial break, and uh, man, that that does definitely make me want to go to a game in Mexico a lot more. I. I always assumed it was hot in Mexico. Who? It, that, that's like a cold weather food. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm, I'm eating more soup as it's getting colder, but uh, I don't know. I, I would still, I'd still give it a shot. Watching the Chiefs ball out here. Yeah, why not? Is that what they're doing? Seven points in a quarter and a half. Look, just, just give it to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, lot, lots to dissect here uh, on the Seattle side. Um, yeah, I, I'm also still trusting Russell Wilson as a mid-range QB1 in this matchup. Um, the Eagles' pass rush really got to Brady, but even though they're going to sack Wilson a few times here or there, he's far more mobile and should be able to buy time given that scrambling ability that he has. Uh, I most definitely don't love Chris Carson this week, though. Um, he's going to get the touches, but I doubt that he's going to do much with them against this Eagles' run defense. Uh, he'll probably get a few receptions as well, but he's averaging just three catches a game, and not much of a PPR floor here. I would expect something like 15 carries for 50 yards, maybe like four catches for 20 yards and a fumble. Um, I've got Carson. Oh, (laughs) now that's spiteful. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I just the fumble in there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't see it, and you know, it, it's become it's become a trend. You know, one fumble is a fluke, two is you know poor coincidences, but more than that, is... I think you're hanging on really strong to that idea that uh, that Ito Smith and Chris Carson aren't very different players. I I don't think they are. I I. I don't know. Carson Carson's fine. I just don't see much here. Um, Seattle hasn't really used him creatively. They like just running him into the grinder and hoping for the best. Uh, so I just I don't love him here. I've got him as a low end RB two this week. Um, not a whole lot of upside unless he somehow punches in a touchdown or you know catches a touchdown after Wilson scrambles around for ten seconds. Uh, I do like the receivers. I've got Lockett as a low-end wide receiver one. If he plays, we'll see if he can practice this week. Uh, He was hospitalized a couple weeks ago with that shin contusion, so stay tuned for updates on him. Uh, Carroll's optimistic, but he's always optimistic, so I don't know how much that counts for. Uh, Regardless of Tyler Lockett's status, though, I like Metcalf a lot as a mid-range wide receiver too. This is a great matchup for them. And if Lockett is out, uh, Josh Gordon, David Moore, and Jerron Brown uh, would probably split snaps here. I like Gordon the most uh, if you need a desperation wide receiver for here. And then I do agree with you that Jacob Hollister should be a nice streaming tight end option again this week. And he could be worth holding on to rest of the season, depending on what his target share looks like and if, uh, you know, that can hold up. Philly gets an easier defensive matchup to try and redeem themselves after a pretty tough showing against uh, New, New England. Wentz comes back to quarterback one status after just 200 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders was bottled up, and Boston Scott got some looks here, but if uh, Jordan Howard remains out, Sanders is running back too with some decent receiving, pass-catching upside. Ertz actually did not get eliminated by the uh, Pats defense. 9 of 11, 94 yards, and backup Dallas Goddard caught 3 of 6, 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, if Elshon's back here, he's a wide receiver 3 with upside. Ertz is, of course, an auto start. Hard to say what to do with Dallas Goddard, but I think we've got enough tight ends emerging around the league that I wouldn't exactly throw him in the lineup with Ertz still there. Uh, no wide receivers are stepping up for this team as of late. Uh, the top one this week was Aguilar, just 4 of 10 for 40 yards. Yeah, saw a tweet uh, this week that maybe they should find that guy who was catching the babies from the burning building and throw him into the lineup just to see what happens. Michael Jackson? No, 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 the guy who said, uh, you know, we was catching the babies on like Aguilar. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Aguilar <laughs> thing. Oh, right, Michael Jackson was dropping babies from buildings. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. Um, man, the New England at Philadelphia was rough to watch. Both of these teams desperately need some pass catchers. Deshaun Jackson on IR, Alshon Jeffrey possibly out again with that ankle injury, just not a whole lot there. Uh, Dallas Goddard did play a ton of snaps, 49 compared to Ertz's 56 but Goddard's still struggling with drops and consistency, so I, I still prefer Ertz here. He's a top-five tight end play this week. I've got Goddard as a high-end tight end, too. He is getting some targets, especially in the red zone. And then Aguilar and Jordan Matthews with the top wide receivers with Alshon out, but neither did much against New England here. Seattle's defense isn't quite as good, so I would consider Aguilar a low-end flex and Matthews a desperation wide receiver five. Uh, I do like Wentz here, though, as a low-end QB1 with some upside. He's going to rebound here uh, against a slightly weaker defense. Uh, He'll make those plays that he barely missed on against the Patriots. To me, uh, this feels like uh, the kind of game where the Seahawks are probably the better team on paper, but I think they're going to stubbornly run Chris Carson at this elite Philadelphia run defense and force Wilson into those bad third-down situations. 
I could see this one going either way. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle here, assuming Lockett plays, but I would pivot to Philadelphia if he's out. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Philly can stop Russell Wilson either way right now, so I'll take Seattle. Detroit at Washington. The Lions kept the score close versus Dallas, but did come up with a loss behind Jeff Driscoll, who uh, will lead this team for at least another week or, or a few, it sounds like, with Stafford probably out about six weeks. That is not great with Galladay held to just one catch, five targets, 34 yards. Jones just four catches on just five targets, 43 yards, but he had the two touchdowns. Amendola four catches on five targets, 47 yards, certainly spreading the ball around a bit. Just one catch on six targets for TJ Hawkinson. Washington is a great receiving matchup, but how much can you truly trust Jeff Driscoll right here? Uh, I still see Galladay as a back-end wide receiver, too, with that Galladay-type upside. Jones is a solid enough flex. Uh, Amendola is clearly an option for maybe an eight-point floor if that sort of thing interests you. The running back mix added new names again this week, led by Bo Scarborough's 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. J.D. McKissick with just three carries and three catches for 40 yards, and Ty Johnson with just three combined touches. Uh, Scarborough is probably a running back, too, this week in Washington, but it's not going to be pretty. No, it might not be pretty, but as long as he gets the job done. Um, he was the backup in Dallas at one point, uh, but clearly they've moved on from him. Uh, I, I do like him. I, I think that you know it's still going to be a committee here, but he did get the start this past week, even with Ty Johnson active uh and he should again uh he got the goal line touchdown and he has that upside to score although mckissick probably still has the highest floor in ppr um although jeff driscoll's mobility does hurt mckissick a little bit in that some of that check down target volume might not be there um i like i like scarborough better um but again i think that the the safer option is probably mckissick and then of the wide receivers marvin jones has been the most fluky guy this year with that three, four touchdown day. Uh, was it three or four with Stafford a few weeks back? I can't remember. Now. I think it was three that that could have been four. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He missed, he dropped one, right? Um, yep. Uh, no, I think, no, I think he had a penalty call it back. Oh, okay. Well, either way, um, if you own Marvin Jones right now and redraft or Dynasty, I, I'd be looking to sell him before the trade deadline. He's always been a big, uh, a big, excuse me, a bit boom or bust um, and he will only be more so with Jeff Driscoll under center. Um, not a whole lot to add. Galladay, he's, you know, like you said, uh, can you trust it? Um, although I, I will say some of the reports are that Stafford may not be out that long. Uh, you know, the six-week estimates may or may not come to fruition. All right. Uh, as for Washington, uh, they're playing for next season. Terry McLaurin is the only real play here versus Detroit, and he only won three of four for 69 yards, and is going to see Darius Slay. But Haskins has shown willingness to throw downfield to him. Uh, otherwise, Jeremy Sprinkle caught a rare touchdown. Darius Geis ran for seven carries, 24 yards, and had a big catch, 45 yards, and a touchdown, which, of course, means he earns a little more work, and AP was limited to nine carries, 25 yards, and two short catches. There is no real reason to start either of them this week but i'd hold on to guys on your bench just for now or better yet sell him if you if you've got some somebody in your redraft league who was really really big on him in college yeah i'm not super high on guys but i do think that both of these running backs are viable fantasy starts this week um i'm mm. assuming that washington's going to try and attack with a run heavy approach uh, detroit has struggled to stop the running game so I, I don't mind Geis as a mid-range RB3 or flex play, uh, and Peterson oh, a little okay. bit lower than that. 
Um, just, I mean, I'm not expecting much with this Haskins-led offense, but at the same time, you know, there there still is fantasy relevance sometimes on these bad teams. But speaking of bad teams, did you hear or did you see the video of uh, the chant uh, at, at the Washington game this past week of everyone yelling, sell this team? <laughs> Oh my gosh, seriously? Yeah, sell the team, <laughs> uh, trying to tell Daniel Snyder that uh, they don't they don't want him to be the owner here anymore. Um, but either way, uh, yeah, I just I, I think I prefer if I had to pick, I'd take Geis over Terry McLaurin this week. Um, I expect uh, Darius Slay to shut down McLaurin like he did to Amari Cooper. Uh, I would bench him just a desperation wide receiver for this week. Haskins already struggled getting McLaurin the ball even against a soft Jets secondary, so just not expecting much production here. Um, really, it's, I, I guess, the only player I really sort of would start is Geis. And, um, man, I, I don't know about this one. I, I could see Washington pulling out a win somehow at home, but I'm not going to bet on it. Uh, I'll still take the Lions here. Certainly not. I will take uh, Detroit on the road. Sunday afternoon games, just two games in the afternoon this week. Uh, Jacksonville at Tennessee. Jacksonville put together a poor showing versus Indianapolis and have a tough matchup here. Just eight for 23 on the ground for Leonard Fournette with seven catches, 34 yards in the air, saving his production day. Foles was not great, in my opinion, having his day saved by DJ Chark's eight catches, 15 targets. Certainly not uh, high, uh, high, um, you know the word I'm looking for. Uh, I don't. 104 yards, two touchdowns. Otherwise, production was pretty darn spotty. Eight targets to Connolly, six to Westbrook. But Chark is a wide receiver, too, with upside. And that's really all for this team with Foles at the helm for right now. Um, I'm saving, I'm reserving some potential hope for D.D. Westbrook, but certainly not throwing him in a lineup versus Tennessee uh, after what we saw. And I've been stalling to try and think of that word, and it is still not coming for me. It's like when you do things a lot of times, but you're not very successful except for very few times. But since you did it enough times, it looks like you did something worthwhile. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to move on here. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea what you're trying to say. Uh, were you luck into something? Um uh, Nah, All right. It. Well, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but Damian Williams looks like he's out now. I was joking about the Chiefs making it out of this game alive, but uh, it's not looking great for... Wow. Well. Oh, man. Um, anyway, not much to add here about Jacksonville. Foles was rusty coming back from that injury. I'd probably fade him again this week, but he's doing well enough to keep the rest of the offense at least fantasy-friendly. I still like Fournette as a RB1, Shark a mid-range wide receiver too. And then Conley and Westbrook splitting targets, but still somewhat productive here. I've got him as wide receiver fours, and uh, that's about it. Let's move on to Tennessee. Tennessee got the extra week to prep for their AFC South rival, and it's really just Derrick Henry, despite all that, as a running back, too, for me. Uh, the Jacksonville defense is beatable, but I am not leaning into Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, or John Smith right now. No, but... Um... I mean, Delaney Walker might be back this week from that ankle injury. I don't know how much that means for fantasy purposes. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be splitting some time with John U. Smith anyway, uh, plus the fact that uh, Marcus Mariota really honed in on Walker, uh, targeting him a lot. And I don't see, uh, or we haven't seen at least, Ryan Tannehill really pepper the tight end with that many targets. So I just don't know how much there is for fantasy purposes. 
And then the Tennessee's offensive line is getting healthy, gelling, playing well. We saw them dominate against Kansas City. Uh, the Jaguars' run defense is a bit better, but I still love Derrick Henry a lot this week. I've got him as a low-end RB1 with top five upside. I expect them to pound the ball as much as they can at home in this divisional matchup. Um, I don't trust uh, many of the any of the individual pass catchers as a result of that, but I think collectively they could do all right, which intersects at Ryan Tannehill being a decent mid-range QB2 worth a look. I think the Titans are going to really just run this ball down the Jaguars' throats, and their defense is going to do enough to limit Foles, who's still getting back into game shape mentally. So I'm going to take Tennessee at home. I have Tennessee as well. Dallas at New England. Dallas bested Matt Patricia by one score, and now they run into his mentor, Bill Belichick. I'm not expecting much pretty for them. Zeke's a running back one, but the Pats will do all they can to keep him in check. That should open things up a bit for Cooper and Gallup, sort of. Uh, they, they may have decent days. Cooper's probably just an upside two against uh, against that secondary. And Gallup is an upside wide receiver three here after that nine for 13, 148-yard day. But New England goes after your stars and allows production to the peripheral players. So Gallup and Cobb have some pretty solid flex appeal here. I, I'd call them risk-reward, but I think there's going to be more reward than, uh, than risk here. Cobb's just showing uh, he can still go with 115 yards and a touchdown day. Uh, if Tony Pollard's a free agent, now's the time in the season where that's just not acceptable. He's a must-own handcuff to change gears. Um, there's a few things that you need to do with your bench spots at, at this point in the season if you're still in contention. Yeah, it's getting to that time of the year for sure. Um, and then really, you said it, Los. Uh, Bill Belichick mentored Matt Patricia. And I would expect a similar game plan. Uh, I, you know, I expected a poor showing from Amari Cooper with Darius Slay all over him. Uh, certainly not expecting much more with Stefan Gilmore draped all over him this week. Uh, I've got Cooper as a low-end wide receiver, too. Um, that shadow coverage is going to be tough to shake. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Gilmore is even better than Darius Slay, so just not expecting much. Uh, I, I don't know that... <laughs> it, it really depends on your other options. Would you bench Mari Cooper this week? You, you know that he only needs one play, but is he going to get that? Yeah, I mean, again, it, like you said, it depends on your other options. We've seen his entire career, Amari Cooper, can disappear from time to time. I think this is a di disappearing week. Um, that said, I'd really need some better options, especially considering in most leagues you're starting either three or four wide receivers. Uh, can I say that my any of my teams have three or four wide receivers better than Amari Cooper? No, probably not. Uh, well, let, let's let's take a quick look here, shall we? Um, sure, sure. I mean, well, let's start with his teammate, Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup. I'd, I'd, I'd start Cooper over Gallup, but like I said, I'm not necessarily expecting him to have a better day. I just couldn't live with myself with Cooper down there and Gallup playing. Sure, I, I get that. Uh, what about Jameson Crowder? Not a sexy name, but the target volume's there. Oh, yeesh. Yeah, I may go Crowder there. Um, Debo Samuel, if uh, Emmanuel Sanders is out again. Yeah, if Sanders is out again, I would probably lean Debo there. Okay. Um, Devontae Parker. No, that's. I mean, that's that's just that's just a Devontae Parker thing, though. I get it. <laughs> okay. Trust me, I get it. But but no. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. So somewhere in that range, right? Uh, yeah. What is that like? Like thirty-one, thirty-two. Yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> yeah, not not great. 
Um, but okay, I think the point has been made. Uh, Cooper isn't a must-start this week by any means with Gilmore uh, on him, but uh, also it depends on your options. Um, I do like Gallup, uh, but as you said, I would still start Cooper over him. I've got Gallup as a mid-range wide receiver three, Cobb a high-end wide receiver four. Uh, Witten remains a tight end two with an okay floor in PPR, but just not expecting a whole lot of upside there. Uh, Dak I have as a high-end QB2, mostly because I think his rushing production could still be there. He could run a couple times um, and help him pad some stats there. But again, I wouldn't expect a huge game from Prescott either, uh, nor from Zeke Elliott, who you're starting, but uh, just not super excited about this week. And part of the reason is because the Cowboys' right tackle, Lyle Collins, re-injured that MCL that he hurt earlier in the year. He's questionable to play, and that would be a big hit to their offensive line if he were to miss this game. Yeah, even harder to find uh, running backs that you'd start over your stars than wide receivers. As for the New England side of the ball, the Patriots put together a tough win versus the Eagles. This could be another tough game for them, or they could blow the doors off of Dallas. Uh, Dallas did lose to the Jets this season. Brady was held without a touchdown uh, with Edelman tossing one to Dorsett on the trick play. Sonu Michel put up three points. White had 7.57 for Burkhead. Mo Sanu had just four receiving yards. Just a bad day for this offense. Uh, even Edelman was just five catches, 53 yards with that trick passing touchdown saving his day. Now, this can happen with New England from time to time, leaning on their defense. Uh, Michelle's just a running back three or flex. White is a solid flex for me this week with running back two upside. I keep waiting for Burkhead to disappear, but he doesn't seem to. He's messing things up for the receivers and the running backs. Um, Brady hasn't been a quarterback one very much this season. Nope. Um a lot of a lot to discuss here um this is a matchup with i think the most important injuries uh dallas and new england here um we already talked about lyle columns on dallas's offensive line but also left tackle isaiah win who's been on ir for the patriots uh since week two with a toe injury i mentioned last week that win could return for this game against dallas and the reports are so far out of new england are that he is expected to be activated off ir and could play this week um, and then on the Dallas side, their pass rushers, uh, Demarcus Lawrence got a shoulder injury against Detroit. Uh, it sounds minor, but, uh, he is questionable to play as of right now as is cornerback Anthony Brown. So, uh, this could definitely be a big help to the Patriots. If Lawrence is out this week, we'll see later in the week, uh, what his practice status looks like, but that would certainly help Brady. Um, I have Brady currently as a low end QB one. Uh, Dallas is stout against the run as well, but they've given up a ton of catches and receiving yards to running backs. So James White, probably the preferred option in PPR over Sony Michelle, though, as you said, Rex Burkhead's continued involvement here as both a runner and a receiver hurts both White and Michelle. Uh, I've got White as a low end RB2, high end RB3. Michelle is a boomer bust flex and Burkhead as an RB4 with a little bit of touchdown upside. Uh, he usually gets a couple shots, uh, a couple passes near the goal line. So we'll see. And then I like Edelman a lot as a mid-range wide receiver, too, here. I uh, expect a bounce-back game for him. Sanu, I've got as a low-end wide receiver, three. And then we'll see if this Dorsett can come back from his concussion, which he suffered uh, on that touchdown pass from Edelman. Uh, he would be a wide receiver, four, with some scoring upside. And then we'll see if Nikhil Harry gets a little bit more involved, but uh, you're probably not starting him outside of very deep leagues. And then finally, one other piece of news, uh, you know, I'm not buying it at all, but supposedly Gronk said that he would have a big announcement on Tuesday morning. 
Uh, depending on when you're, <sighs> I know, right? It's depending on when you're listening to the show, you might already know what that announcement is. But as of right now, I think it's just new merch, new endorsement for Tide or the WWE or whatever it is. Maybe a little, a, a minor movie role or something. I don't think it's football related. But if you are desperate at tight end and deep leagues, uh, he can still report back to the NFL before November 30th. But like I said, I, I would not waste the bench spot. I'm just not expecting it here. Uh, given the injuries, I hope it's not football related. He has not maintained football shape no, at all. No, I, not like. at all. I, I don't think that. I think he's happy uh, in retirement and good for him. Um, really just, as you said, given his current condition, I don't think he'd even help New England that much. He'd be mostly a decoy, and that would only last, what, a game or two? Um, if that. I mean, if he was worried about... He, this This is a guy who had an insurance policy on himself coming out of college yeah. for injury risks. Like, this is not a guy who's going to go out there. He's not... He, his persona is what it is, but he's not an idiot. He's not going to go out onto an NFL field at his size and expect not to get murdered. No, yeah, he's, uh, like I said, uh, there's like a 1% chance, maybe, I would say, that he's, he's coming back this year. Um, but yeah. like I said, if you're in deep leagues or something, or if you're in Dynasty, maybe you can sell him for a late-round pick to a, a hopeful Patriots fan for like even a fourth or something. You know, maybe there just worth picking up for free. Um, this matchup though, given the injuries to Dallas's offensive line and potentially Demarcus Lawrence out here, uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots. I will take the Patriots as well. Sunday night football, Green Bay at San Francisco. Green Bay gets the long week to prep for the good San Fran defense. And I'm not moving off my regulars here. Uh, Rodgers is a back-end quarterback, one with upside despite the defensive matchup. Devontae Adams is a wide receiver, one with tons of target upside. And Aaron Jones is an upside uh, running back, two here. Jamal Williams remains a flex option for me. Uh, I'd probably avoid him if possible, but the guy's caught touchdowns in each of the past three weeks that they've played. Um, and I'm not looking the way of the other backup wide receivers or Jimmy Graham whatsoever. No, I I would agree that you're starting Adams and Jones, and that's mostly it. I'm not super enthusiastic about Aaron Rodgers here. He's been very boomer bust in fantasy. He's had yeah. the two good games against Philly and Kansas City, and then that huge game against Oakland. But outside of that, so including those three games, he's had just four games total with more than 15 fantasy points. And outside of that, he's been like QB 30-something. Um, I guess Rodgers is a low on QB1 here. There, there is some shootout potential, but uh, I, I'm not really buying into that game narrative. Jimmy G tossed uh, four touchdowns against that poor Arizona secondary. He's a stream option in, in what should be a decently high-scoring game here. Uh, the running backs did not dazzle like they usually do, but the Packers have those holes in their defense that should allow solid enough days for whichever running back gets a touchdown here. Uh, Coleman's probably the best, but... Hopefully Kittle's back soon. He's sorely missed by this offense. Uh, Sanders tweaked a rib injury and was limited in this game. He may miss this week as well. But Debo Samuel stepped up in uh, in Sanders' injury with eight catches, 10 targets, 134 yards. And he's the clear top wide receiving option right now if Sanders misses time with Kittle out. Of course, the tight end, Russ Dwelly, had two touchdowns against Arizona with Kittle out that, uh, that bad. Uh, Arizona against the tight ends defense. He remains a solid play as long as he starts at tight end. Mm, I don't love Dwelly as much this week. Um, I started him in a league this past week against Arizona and quite a few DFS lineups, but again, that was mostly Arizona related. Uh, I don't love him against Green Bay. He's an all right tight end too if you're desperate, but there are probably better options out there this week. 
As for Garoppolo, he's been lights out against the Cardinals, but somewhat mediocre in all his other games. Uh, I still have him as just a mid-range QB2. Maybe you start him depending on your options, but I don't love it. We'll see if Matt Breda's ankle is healthy enough to return this week, but, uh, you know, uh, Tevin Coleman, probably the best bet here. Uh, Mid-range RB2 as the lead back in this committee. Jeff Wilson Jr., if you're desperate, uh, he can be an RB4 given his involvement in the red zone. He did have that touchdown catch, but not a whole lot of touches against the Cardinals. And then, uh, you know, just uh, I probably, uh, as we just talked about, start Debo Samuel over guys like Amari Cooper. Um, I like him quite a lot. I've got him as a high-end wide receiver three with upside as long as he remains the number one target with both Sanders and Kittle out. I would probably... Mm, this is tough. Um, either way, it should be a much better Sunday night game than Chicago at the Rams was last night. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a really tough call. Um, both of these teams are playing well. But I, I just Rodgers hasn't been as clutch this year, so I'm going to go with the home team Niners. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Niners as well. They've been a little better on defense than Green Bay, even though Green Bay started strong. They have certainly come back to earth. Monday night football, Baltimore at the L.A. Rams. Baltimore dominated Houston. We'll look to keep on rolling here with Lamar Jackson, who will have another shot at the quarterback overall on the week. 86 rushing yards, four passing touchdowns, just on fire. Uh, The rest of the offense is rolling as well. Mark Ingram is a high-end running back, too. After 80 scrimmage yards and two receiving touchdowns, Marquise Brown was limited to just two catches, 23 yards, and we'll see Jalen Ramsey here, so I would avoid him. Uh, Not much has been stopping Mark Andrews lately, though. Four catches, four targets, 75 yards in the touchdown, and a tight end one start this week. Uh, Gus Edwards, like Tony Tony Pollard, remains a must-own handcuff for Ingram owners here at this point in the season. Yep, and uh, I would think that at this point, uh, Baltimore is probably the current Super Bowl favorite given those dominant wins against New England and Houston, and they barely lost to Kansas City earlier in the season. Sure. Um, I'm actually confused why the early Vegas lines only have the Ravens favored by three and a half points. Um, They're starting Jackson, of course. This is a tougher matchup for Mark Ingram, though. I've got him as a mid to low end RB2. Uh, those two receiving touchdowns against the Texans were one was a wide open play where they just didn't even cover him. And then the other, he had a real nice juke uh, where Houston defender was in position to tackle him. But, you know, that, that's fantasy for you. Um, but he's been very touchdown reliant and I'm not sure he's going to have two scores again here. Of course, as you said, Mark Andrews remains one of the most consistent tight ends with, especially with Kittle out, uh, Evan Ingram out. He's a top three fantasy tight end here again. And then Marquise Brown, still not fully healthy from the ankle injury. He was coming in and out of that game um, last week, and he's likely to get shadowed by Jalen Ramsey here. So I would fade Marquise Brown as the receptions are likely going to go to Andrews and then probably spread out amongst all the other receivers after that. The Rams are going to have to play keep up with Baltimore, uh, the league's current best offense, which could spell some nice days for Gurley and Cup here. Uh, Gurley dominated touches against the Bears, 28 touches compared to just 14 for every other skill player combined. He is a running back, too, with upside here. Reynolds has flex appeal here, but the main story is the impending return of Brandon Cooks and the mysterious inactivation of Robert Woods. Strange things are happening in Los Angeles. I'm not sure what to make of them. Uh, If you're really gutsy, I think this game does have some stream appeal for Jared Goff. Mm, I am I am not gutsy about that. <laughs> I don't yeah, trust. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not either, but it's there. No. The narrative is there. 
I uh, I don't trust Goff at all. Uh, this is a Baltimore defense that has been excellent since acquiring Marcus Peters. Uh, since their bye, the Ravens have allowed just 13 fantasy points to Tom Brady, nine points to Ryan Finley, and four points to Deshaun Watson. Um, Finley, <laughs> obviously, you weren't expecting much from, but the fact that they limited Brady and Watson as much as they did, credit to them. Uh, for that reason, I would definitely not start Goff this week. I've got him as a low on QB2 here. As for Gurley, his increased workload somewhat stems from both Cooks and Woods being out. Um, we got a report earlier tonight uh, that Cooks is expected back this week. We'll see if that happens. And then Robert Woods was still held out of, or was not at practice today with the same personal issue that we don't really have info on. So definitely something to keep track of this week. Um, I mean, really those two being in or out is going to have a big impact on this game. Uh, we're we're going to see about Cooper Cup. It was another rough day for him against Chicago, but he was forced out of bounds uh, at the half-yard line, was this close to a touchdown. I still have Cup as a low-end wide receiver one this week. Uh, I actually hope as a Cup owner that Woods and Cooks are back because I, I think that'll help uh, lift some of the coverage that's been blanketing Cup so far. Uh, clearly teams are catching on that he is the number one option for Jared Goff. So without Woods and Cooks, to stretch the field, um, it's just, uh, you know, it's basically an excuse for them to double cover Cup or really, you know, key in on him. I'm not sure uh, what Vegas sees here. I I don't know why Baltimore is favored by so few points, but I'm going with the Ravens here. I'm t- <clears throat> I, too, am taking the Ravens. Uh, we've got four teams on by here. Two teams that are in Mexico are going to get that week to heal up. Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, whoever's in that backfield. Hill, Watkins, Hardman. The game's tonight. Hope hope everyone stays healthy. Um, I don't know what to make of this uh, KC offense tonight. I think maybe it's just that uh, that altitude in uh, uh, Mexico City. Almost said the ancient name for for the ruins. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, same thing. Games also tonight. Hope everybody stays healthy. Austin Eckler's been money so far on the ground. That's about it. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Madison, Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph. Cousins put together that great fourth quarter to overtake the Broncos. Thielen gets a week to heal. Pick up Madison. He's in that category with Edwards and Pollard. That is must-own at this point in the season. Arizona, Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake over David Johnson, Christian Kirk over Larry Fitzgerald, Isabella. Drake got the start and was decent, just okay, really. Uh, Murray get compiled three touchdowns. Kirk led the team in, touchdown, uh, in uh, receptions and yards and targets. The biggest story here really is that uh, is the nine snaps and zero touches for David Johnson. Droppable in shallower formats, uh, make the call for your own team. But if you're really hurting for a spot and not close to making the playoffs or borderline making the playoffs, I think he's worth the drop. Um, he's really just just a value to teams who have that shot right now, who have those games to spare. Yeah, again, that's really dependent on your team situation. If you're, you know, if you've got a first round buy or if you've clinched the playoffs, then maybe he's worth holding on to. Um, really, just depends for sure. But going on to the uh, injuries, sorry, go ahead. I, yeah, I was just agreeing. Oh, all right. Well, very loudly. Good. Um, I, I am usually right, so you probably should agree. But uh, okay. Uh, a little clarification on Damian Williams before we get started here. Uh, apparently, he had a rib injury, and that's why he was out of the game. And we'll see if he returns Ouch. tonight. Um, Hopefully, it heals. Hopefully, uh, it seems like with Tyreek Hill, Damian Williams, uh, that lineman, uh, this buy is coming at a good time. Yep. 
But uh, at quarterback here with the injuries, Sean Watson with the ankle sprain, he's questionable. He played the entire game against Baltimore and just didn't produce much offense. Some sources are saying that it could be a low-grade high ankle sprain, so there is a slight chance that Watson misses this matchup against Indianapolis, given that it's on Thursday night. Uh, and even if he plays, beware that Watson may not be 100% healthy. If he can't go for some reason, A.J. McCarron would likely be the starter. Jameis Winston with a ligament sprain on the ankle, questionable but likely to play. Supposedly, this is a different injury from an ankle sprain. And while Bruce Arians expressed some concern post-game, Winston is expected to play this week. However, Winston may not be worth starting, especially if he's not 100% healthy against a red-hot Atlanta defense that seems rejuvenated the last two weeks since their bye. Matthew Stafford with that spine fracture, questionable but not likely to play this week. Stafford could be another game-time decision this week. Uh, it sounds like he could be out for as long as six weeks, but possibly shorter. Either way, have another quarterback option ready just in case. While the fracture isn't major or necessarily season-ending, Detroit does seem all right with holding him out until he's back 100%. Expect more Dref excuse me, Jeff Driscoll until Stafford is ready. And then finally, Mitch Trubisky with the hip pointer injury, questionable. Supposedly, he suffered this late in the second quarter, but he wasn't pulled until the fourth due to this hip injury. It's not clear uh, what exactly this details, so stay tuned for updates. As for the running backs, James Conner with the shoulder sprain. Questionable, but not likely to play here this week. Uh, Connor probably should have been out last week instead of pushing a play through without uh, being fully healed. He's probably still a week or two of rehab away from returning to play. They will not need him here in Cincinnati. Devontae Freeman with the toe and foot injury. Uh, there aren't a ton of details on Freeman. We're not really sure what it is, but general reports were that it was not too serious, so he could return this week. Uh, Quinn says he's trending in the right way, so we'll monitor his practice status. Marlon Mack with the hand fracture. He is out this week, possibly longer with short week here. Mack had surgery on his hand Monday morning and is out for at least now. He could miss anywhere from two to four plus weeks, depending on the severity of the injury and what the surgery was. Depending on your running back depth and bench needs, Mack is possibly droppable in shallower formats, possibly out through the fantasy playoffs. <clears throat> Jordan Wilkins with the ankle injury. Wilkins suffered the ankle injury back in week 10, and while it wasn't as relevant then, with Mack out at least this week and possibly longer, Wilkins is expected back this week, likely making this Indianapolis backfield a headache to project between Wilkins, Naeem Hines, and Jonathan Williams. Saquon Barkley, we're waiting more info on him. Barkley was, quote, banged up, according to Pat Shermer, after that game versus the Jets, but there hasn't been much concern thereafter. Uh, with the Giants on by this week, monitor his practice participation in this week just in case. The concern is not high at this point of him missing this week, though. Things can linger with the ankles, as we tend to see, and he may have been brought back a little early this last time already. Jordan Howard with the shoulder stinger. He wasn't able to go with the extra week of rest for, with Philly on the bye. Uh, the stinger injuries can go anywhere from two to four weeks or more, keeping him out. He could come back this week, but we're going to need to see him practice first. Matt Breida with the ankle sprain, questionable. Breida played through multiple ankle injuries last year, but we're going to see if they hold him out another week. Even if healthy, Tevin Coleman's still going to get the majority of the touches in this committee backfield. Chase Edmonds with the hamstring, we're going to see if he can start practicing this week. With David Johnson not touching the ball once in Arizona's loss to San Francisco on Sunday, there could be some opportunity for Edmonds to produce in deeper leagues. Then Chris Thompson, foot injury questionable. Thompson remained out with the foot injury, and Darius Geis may be taking more snaps regardless after a nice catch and run for a touchdown on Sunday versus the Jets. Thompson is droppable if you haven't dropped him already. 
Yeah, and we'll just add um, Damian Williams to this list. Keep an eye on him with that rib injury. Uh, the Chiefs are on yep. by, and they, he does get that extra week to heal up, but we'll see. Um, starting off at the wide receiver position, we've got Adam Thielen with that hamstring injury. Uh, the Vikings are on by this week, and hopefully that'll give him enough time to get back to 100% health. Check back in on Thielen's status next week once Minnesota resumes practice. T.Y. Hilton, he's been out multiple weeks with the calf strain. He's questionable. He's continuing that rehab, but we're going to see if he can at least get in some limited practice sessions this week. Uh, it's not super optimistic, though, with the Colts playing on Thursday night, but keep an eye if he does start practicing Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, you know, maybe he has a shot to suit up. Deontay Johnson with the concussion and Juju Smith-Schuster with the concussion and the knee injury. Both are questionable. There's some optimism that Johnson could be ready within 10 days, uh, given that Pittsburgh played on Thursday night, but it's still not a sure thing. Monitor the reports on him. And as for Juju Smith-Schuster, it sounds like he hurt his knee on the same play on which he was concussed, so very bad luck here. Considered uh, unlikely to play right now, but we'll see. There's always that chance. Brandon Cooks, uh, concussion, questionable. Um, he visited a concussion specialist a couple weeks ago, and uh, supposedly there are reports of him selling his LA home. If that means anything to you or not, uh, we'll leave that up to you, but uh, so the report tonight is that he is expected to be back this week. Corey Davis with the hip injury is questionable. We're still not sure exactly how severe this hip injury is, but even if Davis is active, he's probably only worth starting in very deep fantasy formats right now anyway. Sterling Shepard with the concussion, questionable as well. He began practicing last week but remained in the concussion protocol. There's really no timetable on him, and he's probably only worth a desperation start uh, against Chicago, even if he's back this week. Alshon Jeffrey with the ankle injury is questionable. He missed that important game against the Patriots on Sunday, so monitor his practice status this week. The Eagles desperately need pass catchers for another crucial matchup against Seattle this week. Auden Tate with the neck injury, likely out this week, possibly longer. It sounds like he has a concussion as well. Uh, he suffered that scary injury, uh, had to be taken out on the board, on the stretcher. Uh, best wishes to him for a speedy recovery. Football is a secondary concern right now, but it does sound like he'll be okay. Uh, Fantasy-wise, though, he's likely out at least for this week. Will Fuller with a hamstring injury. Uh, he's been out a while now. He began practicing last week but was not able to return against the Ravens. We're going to see if he can make it back in time to play against the Colts on Thursday night. Uh, either way, it's a short week, so we'll know early on whether you need to bench him or start him. A.J. Green with the recovery from that ankle injury. It sounds like it's still swelling whenever he tries to return, which isn't a good sign. He's going to need at least a full week of practices to return to play at this point given how long he's been out and to make sure that the swelling has indeed subsided. Philip Dorsett with the concussion as well. A lot of concussions for the wide receivers here. He's questionable. Held on for that touchdown from Julian Edelman, but that big hit knocked him out of the game. New England needs all the help they can get at wide receiver right now, so monitor Dorsett's practice status this week. And then we'll attack on Tyree Kill at the end here. Uh, looks like a hamstring injury. We're not sure exactly how severe or if he'll return tonight just yet. Yeah, I'm sure you guys will know much more tomorrow morning by the time you're listening to this, but uh, you know, keep an eye on him through the bye week as well. That'll bring us into some tight ends. George Kittle with that lingering knee and ankle injury. Uh, he's questionable. He's yet to practice since that injury in San Francisco's first matchup versus Arizona a few weeks ago. Until we see him on the practice field, the odds of him playing are great. Uh, keep an eye on his practice participation this week, but hold on to whatever tight end you've been starting in his place for now. 
Austin Hooper at the MCL sprain, questionable, but not likely to play here. Some reports indicated that he could be out for as long as a month, but ultimately it depends on the grade of his sprain and the recovery rate. Hooper's probably out again this week, but supposedly he's, quote, trending the right way for Dan Quinn, just like Devontae Freeman, right? So monitor his practice status just in case. Evan Ingram with the foot sprain, questionable, but not likely to play. Evan Ingram uh, missed practice again today, but he said that he could be ready in time for this week's game. Monitor his participation. Ingram would be a sure tight end, one if active, given the lack of reliable tight ends out there in fantasy. Um, and uh, and Delaney Walker is one of those tight ends. Tight end uh, Delaney Walker with the ankle injury, questionable, but not likely to play. Walker's been out for weeks with John U. Smith playing well in his absence and Ryan Tannehill not looking in on his tight ends like Mariota did. <clears throat> Walker is probably just a tight end, too, even when he does come back. Still, given the poor state of tight ends right now, if you need help at the position, monitor if water pra- Walker practices this week. David Njoku with the wrist questionable. Njoku was expected to be cleared for practice Wednesday and could suit up this week. It's probably not worth starting outside of deep leagues, but given how the tight end position has been right now, he's definitely worth a look in deeper formats with Baker Mayfield playing better as of late. I'd say he border, he's borderline a must-own at tight end right now. Joku? I'd say, I, I think so, because I think he's got that talent and the upside. Mm. And, they've got, and they've got an easy schedule to head into the rest of the season. He does, but uh, I don't know that he's a definitively better option than some of these guys we'll talk about in just a bit. All right. Um, all right. Kicking off the waiver wire report then, we've got quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, who we just talked about. He's got a good schedule the rest of the way. 45% owned in ESPN, 54% owned in Yahoo. He's quarterback one this week with Mahomes, Kyler, and Cousins all on bye. Mayfield has been playing better since... Cleveland's by with just one interception over the last four weeks against New England and then none in the last three weeks. He's at home against a Miami defense giving up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett, who we touched on, 50% owned in ESPN, 38% owned in Yahoo. The Texans secondary is struggling and the Colts may elect to throw more uh, against Houston with Marlon Mack out for this game. Brissett's a great QB2 with upside. Uh, Houston is top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, and his ceiling would be even higher if T.Y. Hilton can make it back for this game. Sam Darnold, 12% owned in ESPN, 22% owned in Yahoo. He's been up and down this year, but so has the Raiders secondary. They're top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, and while Darnold has struggled against good defenses, he has lit up the bad ones, averaging over 250 passing yards over the last three weeks against Miami, the Giants, and Washington. Robbie Anderson also finally got more involved versus Washington and could increase Darnold's fantasy ceiling if Anderson's now healthy. That'll bring us into running backs. Jalen Samuels, 62% in ESPN, 66% in Yahoo. Samuels got dropped after the report that Connor was fully healthy and ready to go versus Cleveland. Of course, that was a terrible lie from another coaching staff. Don't trust Pittsburgh this week, even if Connor's questionable. They'd be smart to rest him until he's 100%. They do not need him here. Samuels is startable running back two this week, with the offense likely running through him, given the injuries to Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. Darius Geis, 47%, ESPN, 48% in Yahoo. He's still likely to split time with Adrian Peterson, 
but Geis displayed far more playmaking ability on his 45-yard screen pass for a touchdown. He's flex-worthy versus Detroit this week and could see a bit more work after playing well versus the Jets. Jonathan Williams, 0% in ESPN, 4% in Yahoo. Jordan Wilkins, 1% in ESPN and Yahoo. Naeem Hines, 29 in ESPN, 17% in Yahoo. With Marlon Mack out for two to four plus weeks, there's opportunity for the rest of these Indianapolis running backs behind this O-line. Williams could get most of the work on the ground with some goal line looks, but Hines remains the best pass catching option. None are reliable options, but all are worth a look if you need running back help. Bo Scarborough, 0% in ESPN, 1% in Yahoo, and J.D. McKissick, 22% in ESPN, 33% owned in Yahoo. Even with Ty Johnson active and back from his concussion, Scarborough was the starter and led the backfield with 31 snaps versus 32 combined for Johnson and McKissick. He also led the team with 14 carries and got the goal line touchdown. J.D. McKissick remains the highest floor option of the Detroit running backs in PPR given his receiving role, but both Scarborough and McKissick are flex-worthy with running back two upside this week versus Washington. <clears throat> Kalen Balaj, 34% in ESPN, 37% in Yahoo!, Kalen Balazs has been incredibly inefficient with his touches, but Miami seems committed to using him as a workhorse with Kenyon Drake traded away, Mark Walton suspended. His usage as a receiver and his usage at the goal line as the goal line back gives him some upside as a desperation flex play. He was able to punch in a touchdown versus Buffalo this past week and has similar scoring upside versus Cleveland. Jeff Wilson Jr., 2% in ESPN, 1 in Yahoo. No carries, one target, and just one catch versus Arizona but he also scored a touchdown on his lone reception. If Burita is out again versus Green Bay, Wilson Jr. is a low-floor desperation running back for option, but San Fran seems to like using him in the red zone as and as a goal line back. Wayne Gallman, 7% in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo. Barkley should be fine, but on the off chance that he did suffer some kind of injury that would keep him out versus Chicago this week, Gallman is worth adding in deep leagues, especially if you own Barkley. And Daryl Williams, of course, the number three back in Kansas City. Uh, with Damian Williams going down here with a rib, we're not sure what to expect there. LaShawn McCoy getting benched and inactivated the past two weeks. Daryl Williams could be in line for an increased amount of work. Also, keep an eye on the practice report. See what they have to say about the about the rookie Darwin Thompson. Yep, and of course, uh, you know it, this may be all for nothing uh, with Kansas City on their bye, so you wouldn't start any of the guys this week. But uh, if they are out for multiple weeks, then definitely worth a look, especially if you have that bench space. Going on to the wide receivers here, Debo Samuel, who we talked about, thirty-three percent owned in ESPN, fifty-four percent owned in Yahoo. Emmanuel Sanders re-injured his ribs against the Cardinals, which led to another 100-yard receiving day for Debo Samuel. He's emerged as the Niners' number one wide receiver for as long as Sanders is hurt, and maybe even after that. He's a high upside wide receiver three play, uh, given his target volume against Green Bay, uh, especially if Kittle is out again. Devontae Parker, 45% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. With Preston Williams on IR, Parker has become Fitzpatrick's clear number one target, He's had 10 targets each now over the last two weeks against the Colts and the Bills. And despite a couple drops, Parker is getting enough target volume to be a fantasy wide receiver three and has an excellent playoff schedule against the bad Jets, Giants, and Bengals secondaries in weeks 14 to 16. Will Fuller, 63% owned in ESPN, 61% in Yahoo. Fuller's begun practicing off of that hamstring injury. If he's active against the Colts on Thursday night, he'd be a boomer bust flex option given that connection with Deshaun Watson as well as his deep threat ability. 
Hunter Renfro, 8% owned in ESPN, 14% owned in Yahoo. Renfro's become Carr's reliable slot receiver, averaging six targets per game over the last three weeks. The Jets also give up the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Russell Gage, 1% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo. Gage would have had a touchdown had he not bobbled the ball as he was going to the ground against Carolina. He should get more opportunities this week against a burnable Tampa Bay secondary, especially if Hooper is out yet again. James Washington, 20% owned in ESPN, 8% owned in Yahoo. Juju Smith-Schuster and or Deontay Johnson could miss this week, leaving Washington as the last man standing among Pittsburgh's wide receivers. Mason Rudolph isn't exactly the most reliable quarterback, but Washington should get a ton of targets against this bad Cincinnati defense. Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas. Anderson is 48% owned in ESPN, 53% owned in Yahoo, and Thomas 8% owned in ESPN, 10% Yahoo. Jamison Crowder is the hot name on the Jets, but Anderson and Thomas are both still involved. Both of these guys are desperation wide receiver fours with some upside against a Raiders secondary that's top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. Darius Slayton, 22% ESPN, 25% Yahoo. Sterling Shepard could return soon, possibly even this week from the concussion, but Slayton remains the big target that Daniel Jones trusts downfield and on those 50-50 balls. He's got weekly touchdown upside and has the playmaking ability to get the yards after the catch, so you could do worse as a boomer bust wide receiver four. Josh Gordon, 54% owned in ESPN, 61% owned in Yahoo. We'll see if Tyler Lockett is able to return from that shin contusion two weeks ago that required hospitalization overnight. Pete Carroll is optimistic that Lockett will be ready to go, but Pete Carroll would be optimistic that the Black Knight from Monty Python could play even after losing both legs. Monitor Lockett's practice status closely. If he's unable to return this week, Gordon would have some upside against the bad Eagles secondary, though he would likely still split snaps with David Moore and Jerron Brown behind DK Metcalf. He would be a wide receiver four with some upside. And then finally, Mikkel Hardman, 20% owned at ESPN, 33% owned in Yahoo. The target share hasn't been there for Hardman, but we've seen that he only needs one catch to be fantasy relevant given his speed. He's a threat to take it to the house on any reception and remains in play as a boomer bust flex option with Patrick Mahomes back, especially if Tyree Kill's hamstring injury uh, uh, makes him miss time even after Kansas City's bye week. As for some tight ends, Noah Fant, 14% in ESPN, 28% in Yahoo owned. Fant's targets have increased since Emmanuel Sanders was traded away, and he's looked pretty good, even with Brandon Allen under center. Plus, he's a dynamic playmaker, as we saw in a 75-yard touchdown versus Cleveland. After leading the team in targets with versus Minnesota with 11, Fant is a tight end one, given all the injuries and buys right now. Jacob Hollister, 15% in ESPN, 30% in... I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love the Chiefs right now. Well, Sorry. That's, uh, Jacob Hollister. Was it Blake Bell for you, the backup tight end? I think that was him. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Philly, Philly is, a tough, is tough versus tight ends, but Hollister has uh, become a reliable target for Wilson since Disley's season-ending injury. And if Tyler Lockett is out this week, Hollister should see even more targets in his absence, especially with Seattle likely needing to throw more this week. Hey, hey Lowe, Philly... you're, you're safe. Uh, there, was a, there was a flag on that play, so the fumble, I think, is coming back. Oh, good. Oh, goody. Gumdrops. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well. Yep. Yep. No. And that, that was not Blake Bell. Wow. I'm sorry. That was number 82, which 
the number three tight end. No, I think. it was Demarcus Robinson, wasn't it? No, no, no it was number eighty-two. Their number th- Yelder. Yeah, their number three tight oh. end. Or I guess maybe he's their oh, number wow. two now over Blake Bell. Old Yeller. Well, maybe they ought to put him out of his misery, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. This is a tough week for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's, All right. let's go back to, who is it, Hollister? Sorry to interrupt. Jake Hollister. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. You're, you're doing good for me. I appreciate that. Um, Philly is tough for his tight ends, but Hollister has been a reliable target for Wilson since Disley left. Uh, if Tyler Lockett's out this week with that with that uh, questionable compartment syndrome, Hollister should see even more targets in his absence, especially with Seattle likely needing to throw more this week versus that tough Philly run defense. Ryan Griffin, 1% in the ESPN, 3% in Yahoo. It's time to talk about Ryan Griffin. Not every team is going to leave him uncovered wide open like Washington did, but he averaged five targets a game over the past four weeks. Clearly, Darn likes targeting his tight end. Um, he's had near a touchdown each of the past three or four weeks, I think. Uh, actually, I think he has five touchdowns in the five past five weeks and had one called back last week, if I remember correctly. Uh, with Herndon out for quite some time, Griffin remains a serviceable tight end, too, with some very high weekly upside, especially this week against an Oakland secondary giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opponents in tight ends. <clears throat> Dallas Goddard, 28% ESPN, 19% Yahoo. Goddard has taken on a larger receiving role with Deshaun Jackson done for the season and Alshon Jeffrey out versus New England. He's still struggling with consistency and drops, but once continues looking to him, especially in the red zone. Goddard has decent upside as a tight end two streamer versus that mediocre Seattle defense. And Tyler Eifert, 15% in ESPN. 11% in Yahoo. Eifert has been unexciting and inconsistent all year, but Pittsburgh is allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Ryan Finley has targeted Eifert four times each of the last two games, and Eifert could see a few more red zone targets as well with Auden Tate likely out here. That is if Cincinnati can get anywhere near the red zone. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I, I like the, the rushing production from a home, but, but I also don't want him taking any chances with that knee. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be coverage here. I mean, well, Mike Williams, he makes some catches, but they are all contested. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, I am so messed up in my head right now. Then it's because Ty, Tyrell Williams is out. These peripheral pieces, I mean, it's hard for them to get open other than Travis Kelsey. And What about Tyrell Williams? What are you talking about? <laughs> Tyreek Hill? You mean Tyreek Hill? Did I call him Tyreek Williams? You said Tyrell Williams, the the Oakland. You know, receiver. you can't be on every single day of your <laughs> life, and this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a down one for the lows. Fair enough. I'm sorry. Fair enough. All right, <laughs> uh, let's talk about some waiver wire options. At if you want to dial it back for about forty five minutes, ex- uh, oh my gosh, I forgot. I just forgot the word. I had the word when I was talking about Nick Foles, and now I let la- now I lost it again. Oh, Efficient. No. Inefficient. The word is inefficient. Are you talking about you or Nick Foles? Both. <laughs> Both. A lot of words, low value going on right now for the lows. Fair enough. You've got a lot riding on this, I understand. Um, but that's what makes this <laughs> game so fun and also infuriating, right? That's right. All right. Um, let's move on to some of these streaming defenses here. Atlanta, uh, They've been red hot, 2% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Uh, They've now held New Orleans and Carolina to 12 points combined over the last two games. 
this revitalized Falcons defense looks for real. And now they get a turnover-prone Jameis Winston who might not be 100% healthy. Cha-ching. Atlanta's worth gambling on this week and could even be a defense to hold on to for the rest of the season. Cleveland, 29% owned in ESPN, 49% owned in Yahoo. They're going to be without Miles Garrett this week uh, and rest of the season after that fiasco on Thursday night, but no team has failed to score at least six fantasy points against Miami this year. Uh, Cleveland is a high-floor defensive option this week with a decent ceiling even without their best pass rusher. Tennessee, 33% owned in ESPN, 16% owned in Yahoo. Foles looked rusty in his first game back against the Colts, and the Titans should be well-rested coming off of their bye week. At home against their divisional rival, there should be some opportunities here on defense in what should be a fairly low-scoring game. That'll bring us into a few kickers. Nick Folk, 3% in ESPN, 5% owned in Yahoo. Let's try this again. Uh, the new, new Steven Guskowski. Folk has kicked well versus both Baltimore and Philly. As long as he's reasonably accurate, any New England kicker is worth starting, especially with New England's offense struggling to convert touchdowns in the red zone right now. <clears throat> Young Hoku, 6% in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo. Atlanta is still undefeated with Koo as their kicker, and the Falcons' defense is proving to be more than just a one-week fluke. Atlanta should be in another competitive game versus Tampa this week, leading to plenty of field goal opportunities for Koo. Robbie Gold, 44% in ESPN, 23% in Yahoo. Gold has not been elite this year, as in the past, but he's still an above-average kicker on a good offense. If Gold was dropped due, due to his injury, he's worth picking up week 12, and rest of season. Now, guys, these are the exact same three kickers we talked about last week. Very similar ownership percentages. Clearly, you guys are not listening. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I feel I, I feel like I owe it to him to mention that I believe it's pronounced Young Way Koo. I think I heard that somewhere. Um, but either way... Well, I will change it to that. Uh, but either way, uh, as Folk is the new, new Gaskowski, he may be the new, new Matt Bryant. So uh, definitely worth a oh. look. Yeah, definitely worth a look here. Um, oh, yeah. I thought you were saying that that uh, that Nick Folk's going to get retired early as well. Oh, no, not necessarily. But, I mean, didn't he come... <laughs> actually, didn't he come out of retirement to kick he, for, the, he did. for the Patriots? He did. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't mean he was like an old yelder here at tight end who you seem to hate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I oh, could... Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Indeed. So, uh, you know, if Damian Williams does end up missing time past their bye, Daryl Williams, a hot name to take a look at and maybe a preemptive waiver pickup if you're already locked in the playoffs, right? Couldn't hurt. Damian Williams won a lot of leagues yeah, last year. Agreed. And Daryl Williams could be uh, a similar guy this year. You got that right, son. All right, well, it's all uh, it's all coming down to this. Hopefully, uh, some of you guys listening have already clinched those playoff berths. Uh, hopefully, if you haven't, you're doing well tonight and or uh, this coming week. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, really, just uh, a lot of it is luck, uh, as you see with some of these injuries tonight. But um, as always, if you have more specific questions for us about your leagues, your teams, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. 
And our super mega ultra producer, best man Dan, is at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan. That's the common spelling for you. We're, of course, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So go ahead and click subscribe, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, and you will automatically have downloaded for you a fantastic podcast ready for your listening pleasure prior to your workday on Tuesday. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution at least across their capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over 30,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7-5-22. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.